Hello, Summit Church online audience. So glad that uh, you're joining us online. Hopefully you're able to come in person, but if not, you're watching on one of the various social media streams. Hey, will you do me a favor and share this link? Uh, Pastor Wayne H. on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, and... Uh, and what's the last one? Instagram. So share, share, share. This is your five-minute countdown. Church will start. Worship will start in five minutes, everybody. So look forward to having you. Happy Palm Sunday. We're going to be waving the palm branches today. So it's going to be a fun time. Join us for Worship in the Word in just a few minutes. Okay. 
Sharp the knife. Ride the horse up the mountain with the knife. Put your boy in the back. Hoist it up. No. Hoist it up. Abraham, no. Hoist it up. Abraham, no. One out of 30, guys. We can do this. Guess what time it is? It's worship time. Whoop. <laughs> lost the audience there for a second. Hey, it's it's Palm Sunday, so everyone needs to grab a palm branch for this particular song. It's called Hosanna. And during the Hosanna, you just go crazy with the palm branch. If you want to run around the building or jump up and down or do whatever you want, <laughs> do whatever you want with it. That's great, that's great.
return to you. In your kingdom, broken lives are made new. In your kingdom, broken lives are made new. You make us new. You make us new. When we see you, we find strength. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. Presence, all our fears are washed away. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. Sing Hosanna now. Hosanna. Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. Worthy of all our praises. Hosanna. got the short sleeves if someone maybe close that door take the rock out of the door we're glad to welcome you in but we it's getting a little brisk in here <laughs> let's open with prayer father we say right as those people in Jerusalem did 2020 years ago or so we welcome you Jesus we welcome you to Colorado we welcome you to our town and to Douglas County to Sedalia Castle Rock the greater southern denver metro area we want you jesus to come have your way among us we welcome you lord jesus in this church lord in this place in our nation in our hearts in our minds lord this easter week i pray that we would just be mindful of all that you've done for us and how you suffered and died and you bled and that you were raised to new life and because you live we get to live also 
So we're so thankful for that God. We have a promise of a better life than this one day when, when we die, but we have a better life once we turn our lives over to you. And so Lord, help us to, to walk in the newness of life that Easter gives us, that resurrection promise. So we love you, God. Be honored by everything we say and do, every song we sing, and the scriptures as we study them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have, I have a lyric solution. So if you have a smartphone, everybody, on the ends of the, the pews here, if you'll open up your camera app and just take, act like you're going to take a picture of that little QR code, a link will pop up. And you open that link and it has all the songs that we'll do for the rest of the day on your smartphone. And you can, it's, it's a PDF document with three pages. All right, I'll refer to it and you can, you can unshrink and shrink and, and open it and you can, because some of your eyes aren't as good as others, so if you need to make the words bigger, you can do that on your phone. We also have the paper song sheets, but um, I, think, I think we're going to have a lot of guests next Sunday. How many of you have been inviting people to church at Easter? I'm having, yes, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to, I personally am going to have many guests next week, so... Um, I, it's what's that? SRO, standing room only. Standing room only. That's right. That's what we're shooting for, Sally, for sure. So um, we're going to be singing this song called "Reckless Love." It's on the second page, I believe, or the third page of your PDF document, third column over. "Reckless Love." Sing it. Sing it with us.
time of year that reminds us of your finished work on the cross. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Well, let's sing this one that's right underneath that one on page three called My Chains Are Gone. It's an oldie but a goodie here in America. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a rich like me. Chains are gone. My chains are gone. 
Yeah, let's give him a hand of worship. Woo. You want to do the one-year Bible? Mr. Tim is in church today. He's going to share the one-year Bible from the reading today. Good morning, Summit Church. Good, Good to see you all here, uh, whether in person or online. That's right. Uh, today, the highlighted verse in our one-year Bible, it looks like this right here. Not, well, anyway. Um, <laughs> just playing. Uh, the verse comes from uh, Deuteronomy 9, chapter 9, and it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the, God, the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I, that I am giving you today for your own good. If you want to know what you're supposed to do as Christians, what you, want, what, what you should do to please God, it's all right there. Follow his decrees and commands. You'll be in his hands. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. It's good to have you in person, man. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's sing one more and we'll get into the word here today. I want to sing this one called Waymaker. It's on that third page of your PDF document on your phone there. Or on the orange page if you're using the paper copy. Turning lives, turning lives 
worship you. I worship you, waymaker. You are a waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are, waymaker. You are a waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you If you feel comfortable giving a fist bump or an elbow bump to someone, take a minute and greet each other, and we're going to grab our Bibles and get into the Word. Hey, everybody. want to say thank you for coming to Summit Church Online today. Uh, there are three ways to give. You can give online. You can uh, go to mysummitchurch.com or you can mail a gift to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or you can text to give at 303-625-9434. We're going to get started with the Word in just a minute. So grab your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke in uh, Chapter 21. And we're going to get started today. We're so glad glad you're online and joining us. It's going to be a great day as we finish this out this Palm Sunday, this Easter tide. 
on the guitar yet. It, is, it did get chilly when we opened that door, right? my spectacles ready just in case sometimes my eyes are better than others I don't know why that is anybody anybody getting old like me just a little oh. bit every now and then you got to pull the specs out and go oh they oh that's what it says oh okay hey everybody good to see you turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 21 and by the way we do have Bibles in the seat backs in front of you in the pews so if you don't have a Bible if you don't have a Bible in your phone Shame on you, first of all. Uh, you should have a Bible that you read or listen to on a regular basis. But if you don't, there's a paper Bible there right in front of you. We're looking at Luke 21. I like, to, I like to study and read from the New Living Translation. It has a broad scholarship. It translates the scriptures from original Greek and Hebrew into modern English American idioms. So a lot of people go, why do you, why do you preach from the New Living versus the King James? Well... I think uh, I like it. I like the New Living because it's direct from original language to my language, whereas King James goes from Greek and Hebrew to Latin, and then Latin some some translations Latin to German, and then German to English, and then and then whatever modern English translation. So it's kind of like the game of telephone. You ever play the game of telephone when you whisper a secret and you go through more and more people? The translation gets more and more messed up. But if there's fewer people playing telephone, the message kind of gets translated more appropriately or rightly. So if that makes sense to you, that's kind of why I teach that way. And I try to bring the, I like, I like to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can, you know, eat the cookies and find the cookies and we can find the truth. And um, so that's, uh, that's just a little note on why I have New Living Translation in front of you, why I teach from that. Um, so let's get into it. We're talking about, I've, I've entitled my message today, what time is it? What time is it? Well, it's 11.03, right? Well, what time is it in the calendar of history? Jesus knew what time it was. Well, it's Palm Sunday on the calendar, right? It's, it's Passion Week. Later on, we'll have Monday, Thursday, which is kind of the, the night we celebrate the foot washing and the Last Supper. And we're going to have communion here today. I'm going to share that. We, have, we celebrate open communion as a church and, and, um, and then Good Friday. I'll, I'll probably stream some kind of prayer service about four o'clock in the afternoon on Good Friday. I won't, we won't have a live service, but I'll just put something online because a lot of you are working or you're busy at, at that time of day. But I'm gonna be just posting sort of a prayer service at 4 p.m. on Friday online. And then we'll be doing a big Easter service next week. And so I'm gonna be sending around this clipboard and I'm gonna challenge some of you to be involved with this. We've got some... I think we're going to have a decent amount of people and we need to park some cars and like make room for guests. So I've got some parking vests and some of those little wands where you direct people into where to park. So there's some, uh, some uh, volunteer opportunities there for parking for greeters. Um, so just so you know what our COVID restrictions are right now, as, as for today in Douglas County, we have a sheriff that has decided 
He's not, we are not going to mandatorily in, enforce the mask mandate. So uh, it's up to your discretion. Of course, many people have already had COVID and gotten over it, or they've gotten the vaccine and they don't feel like they need to wear the mask anymore. But um, that's up to your discretion. And we're just kind of be sensitive to one another. We're not going to make be a point of contention amongst Christians in this church. We're not going to say you're a bad person because you wear a mask or you're a bad person because you don't wear a mask. We're just going to embrace each other in the love of Jesus, mask or no mask. Amen, somebody? Amen. Jews and Gentiles, maskers and no maskers, Republicans and Democrats, right? We can all be in the same church family and not be in controversy. Okay, so uh, that's what that's all about. And then the, the new guidelines, according to CDC, is that um, six feet of social distance is actually, uh, it's plenty. In fact, three feet of social distance is probably okay. So we're going by the, that new CDC guidelines. So amongst family groups, like I said, I think we're going to have every pew with people in it next Sunday. So just keep in mind that we are going to try to encourage people, hey, if you're not in the same family, you know, you're not with that person all week long and coughing on, on them and being with them, give yourself three feet of social distance with people you might not know. And we just want to make this a welcoming church for people who've never walked in the doors before, right? And uh, remember, you ever remember the first time you went into any church and you're like, oh, this is scary. Who are these people? What is it like? I, I, will I like them? Will they like me? Ah, right. Well, just be, be mindful of that. And let's be kind and generous and loving and good greeters and good servants. And so I do need a couple greeters maybe just to help at that front door. We're not going to do temperature checks. We're not going to do all that. We're just going to help people like, what do I do? Do I mask? No mask. And we just take them through our little guidelines there on the yellow placard. And we say, hey, it's up to your discretion. It's three feet distance. Um, you, if you're sick, of course, stay home. You know, wash your hands. Do all the things that, that we're recommending. But um, this, this church meets in person and online. And so that's just kind of how we're doing things. And then what was the other? It's a parking lot. It's greeters. Oh, and the info center. So um, we have a bunch of stuff by donation, like T-shirts and books and tracks and little uh, music CDs. I've written a children's book. All that stuff is on a donation basis. And then we also, for kids, on, especially on Easter Sunday, we have iPads, the kids with the Bible app for kids on there during the sermon time. So if uh, Meredith can help and a few others can help distribute that with, with, while supplies last <laughs> with those kids for Easter, that'd be great. Uh, so thanks guys for helping us in advance. If you're going to come early, come around 945 so we can kind of make sure everything's ready. And as guests are arriving, we, we've got our stuff together. So let's get into the study. What time is it? Well, time number first, the first time Point number one, it's the time of the end. Jesus speaks of the time of the end. That in the last days, you're going to see various things. You're going to see a great falling away of the church. You're going to see earthquakes in diverse places. There'll be pestilence. There'll be war. There'll be disease. There'll be uh, nation rising against nation. There's going to be all kinds of things. Some of these things which we've seen, some of those things we're seeing in greater amounts but it's like he said it's in another passage it's like birth pains it's like childbirth um you know the those contractions. contractions come closer and closer together the closer the baby gets to be birthed and i think that's kind of what we're experiencing in world history here's what jesus says in luke 21 he's, he's of course he speaks of the widow's offering again he's watching the people dropping their money in the collection box and he says that this poor widow gave 
came by, dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor woman has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of the surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. And then he begins to talk about the future. He begins to foretell the future. And this is why we know Jesus, yes, he was the son of God, but he was also the prophet of all prophets. He's the prophet, priest, king. And he, he says, the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Speaking of the temple in verse 6. Not one stone will be left on top of, an, of another. And the, and the disciples asked, teacher, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? And he replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming that I'm Messiah and saying that the time has come, but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there'll be a time of great persecution. You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls." In my commentary here, in my version, it says that we, as we become aware of this, we're not, um, we won't, we, he says, our faith in Jesus as well as our freedom from sin, it may threaten the status quo. Often those closest to us become the greatest source of hurt and misunderstanding as they resist what we know is best for us. As we become aware of this, we will not allow them to slow us down. In time, our faithful example may lead them to seek spiritual renewal too. He says, your soul will be saved. He's not talking about eternal salvation in heaven. He's talking about your, your discipleship, <laughs> your emotions, your life. Your life is going to be put on solid ground. When everyone else falls away, when everyone else is angry, when everyone else loses their faith, your soul is going to be solidified in, in the truth and the trust and the faith and in the peace of Jesus. Amen? And that's, that is, that's yeah, that's, that's a pretty great promise because we get salvation on top of that. We also get to go to heaven one day when we die. So either way, we win, right? And we do know that Christians have been persecuted and martyred in the past, and it's going to happen again. And in fact, becoming a Christian is going to be one of the least popular things to be, a true Christian. There'll be lots of people who are nominal believers, but that's not what we're talking about. True followers of the Lord Jesus, people who believe in his words, in his teachings, and in the holiness of God, in the blood of Christ, and having a relationship with God, true believers are going to be rare. It's going to be rare. And so we have to make sure that we are, the, we are of those who have committed ourselves to him. To say, I don't care. Even if nobody goes with me, I'm going to follow. No matter what the world does, I'm going to, I'm going to make Jesus number one in my life. And so he says, um, and when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. And then those in Judea must flee to the hills and those in Jerusalem, 
must get out and those out in the country should not return to the city. Ezekiel actually speaks of the same prophecy. We were just having a discussion about it. We were watching a travelogue from the Holy Land last week. The city of Petra is, is prophesied to be a place and it's in Jordan where many of the people of Israel are going to rush to and hide in uh, during this time of persecution when the Antichrist sets up his kingdom uh, on the earth. And so Jesus is prophesying this time. When this persecution comes to Jerusalem, that's the time to head for the hills because uh, bad things are going to happen to good people. Verse 25, it says, There'll be strange signs in the sun, the moon and the stars here on earth, and the nations will be, will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified of what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then everyone will see that the Son of Man coming on a cloud with, with power and great glory. And when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. And then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. Now, Jesus said himself, when is this, the disciples asked, well, Jesus, when is this all going to happen? He goes, I don't know. Only the Father in heaven knows these times. But I can tell you when it's, when it's soon, when you see things budding, when you see a tree buds, you might not know exactly when the first day of spring is, but you know it's spring-ish. Like we are coming into that season. And how do we know? I think 1948 was a massive planting of the budding of Israel. After nearly 2,000 years of persecution and dispersion, the nation of Israel, which was not a people, which had been dispersed, they kept their language, they came back to their land, God fulfilled his promises of Ezekiel and Daniel, and the, those people that were once scattered once became a people again and came back to the nation of Israel. And Jesus said this generation that sees the budding is not going to perish from the earth before they see the end. So we are getting very close to that time. Many Jewish people... Older Jewish folks now, they, they were alive when they saw that happen. It, it was just after World War II. And so we know that the time is near. It's The time is near for Messiah. The time is near for the man of sin. The time is near for these things that Ezekiel and Daniel and that Jesus was talking about, I believe, here in Luke chapter 21. So it's in the same way when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. And I tell you the truth, this is verse 32 of Luke 21. I tell you the truth that this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness, by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape from these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Every day Jesus went into the temple to teach and, every, and each evening he returned to spend the night in the Mount of Olives and the crowds gathered at the temple early each morning to hear him. Jesus was teaching and he's still teaching us today. We are seeing many of the things that he spoke about and the budding of the olive tree. You know, Passover started at sunset last night. You know, it's always interesting that Passover and Easter are always connected on the calendar because they are connected. Jesus died on a Passover week. 
It, 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 uh, Passover for Jews is like the, it's like the Jewish Thanksgiving. <laughs> they, it's, it's they roast the lamb and mama wants all the kids home and like, let's get the family together. It's Passover, everybody. Got to remember, we came out of Egypt. Remember, we're Jewish. Remember, he saved his people out of slavery. This is us. And just like we have sort of a patriotic feelings about Thanksgiving in America, Jewish people feel the same way about Passover. It's like a th- time of gratitude and of freedom and of family and togetherness. And wow, this Passover lamb slain, you know, for our sins. And now Jesus, the ultimate lamb, the ultimate Passover lamb has been slain for us. And now we have eternal life through him. So it, what time is it? Number one, it's the time of the end. Jesus saw that his time was coming to an end in Passion Week. But he says the time of the end is going to come. There's, we're in an age that is called an age of grace. We're in the church age right now. But all ages do come to an end. There will be a time when God's grace, that's it. The door shuts and it's time for another era, another epoch, another covenant, another testimony, another testament, another dispensation. And we're going to see where, where all that goes. And so something very sad begins to happen in Luke chapter 22. Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Judas agrees to betray Jesus. And you know, it's so tempting in our culture to just go with the flow. We we don't want to ruffle any feathers. We want to make sure that everybody is happy. Now, because if, if you want to live as if everyone is happy, guess who's not going to be happy? You, <laughs> right? Because you're not living according to your own beliefs or convictions. And sometimes it's okay to make some people mad. You got to decide which people you want to make mad. <laughs> sometimes it's okay to be controversial if you're on the right side of the controversy. There were people that absolutely hated Jesus. They wanted to see him dead, dead, dead. Well, you don't want to be in that team, do you? <laughs> right? You got to pick a team at some point. And Judas, he decided he liked money more than he liked being one of the followers of Christ. He said, I'll take those 30 pieces of silver. My master is not who I thought he was. I, I'll, I'll get this whole kingdom thing rolling if he really is the conquering hero. We just need to kickstart this thing. And he takes matters into his own hands and he agrees to betray Jesus and the, the people who, who hired him for that were delighted. And we come to the Last Supper in Luke 22, verse 7. The festival of the unleavened bread, which is Passover, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and he said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him At the house that he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? And he will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. And went off to the city, and they found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. And when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And we know that's true. Jesus hasn't separate, celebrated a Passover on earth 
since this Passover. And one day Jesus is going to come back for the ultimate Passover. And I just thought it's a good thing as a, for us as a church this Easter week, before Monday, Thursday, for us to have communion together. Johnny, will you just play a little something quietly there on the guitar? And I, I wonder if we can just quiet our hearts for a moment and just ask the Lord to search us and to prepare us for what he wants us to be and do this Easter week. Take a grape and hold them until I tell you. And we're going to celebrate communion here together. In verse 17, Jesus took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. What time is it? Well, it's a time of the end. And number two, it's a time of testing. Jesus, Judas was tested and he failed his test. Jesus was being tested and he was passing the test. Peter was going to take his test and he would fail, but Jesus would let him retake the test. <laughs> and then he passed the test. You know, the great thing about our teacher is he'll let you retake the exam. I know mean, you get to retake the test every single day. <laughs> his grace is new. His mercies are new every morning. He's a merciful teacher. Aren't you grateful for his mercy? So, Father, we thank you for the bread that Jesus, you said, represents your broken body. It was broken for us, broken so that, the, that those who are sick could be healed, those who are tormented in their mind could have peace, those who the devil has had a stronghold could be delivered. We thank you for your broken body, and we receive all that it means now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread. Verse 20, after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood. It's because of your blood that our sins are removed from us. Not only are they covered, but they're removed that your blood speaks a better covenant, a better testimony, a better agreement, that we no longer come to you because we've been good or we've kept the law, but Lord, it's because of your grace that we've been saved. So we receive your blood now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the grape there. I just figured 
since we're covering this particular passage, and it's the communion passage, we might as well just take communion while I cover the passage. At table, Jesus makes it known to the disciples that amongst, me, amongst you is it my betrayer. And all of them are going, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And of course, when Judas asked, is it me? Jesus says, you've said it. What you do, do quickly. And then Simon asks that same question. And Peter says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus saying, you are going to betray me. You are going to fail the test. But you're going to come back around. And when you do, I have work for you to do. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen the disciples. Be a leader. And um, Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to to prison with you, even to die with you. Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Jesus asked him, when I sent you out to preach the good news um, and you didn't have money, a traveler's bag, or any extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now, he said, take your money and a traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted amongst the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That's enough, Jesus said. So they leave the house. They go to the Mount of Olives. And he's accompanied by the disciples. He told them, pray that you may not give in to temptation. And he walked about a stone's throw away and he knelt down and he prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. It's a, it's a time of testing. Judas had a test and he failed. Peter failed and then passed. And Jesus was in the test of all tests in the Garden of Gethsemane in, in the Mount of Olives. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and it was in such a way, an agony of spirit, that, that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Doctors tell you that when you're in that much stress, when you've sweated out all the sweat that your sweat glands can produce, the human body begins to sweat blood. That's tremendous uh, trauma and pressure and stress. People in tremendous life and death situations, once they've sweated all their sweat, you're, you, you begin to give out blood. At last he stood up and again, and he returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. And then Jesus is betrayed. Judas goes to betray him with a kiss. And there's talk of the swords again and fighting. And one of them one of the disciples struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear, verse 51, and Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. And then Jesus speak, spoke to the leading priests and the captains of the guard. He said, am I, am, some, am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked, that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why don't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. And then, of course, we 
see this story as Jesus goes to stand trial at Caiaphas' house. Kim and I have actually been to this this house that's been restored in Jerusalem. Underneath Caiaphas' house, there's a jail in the basement where most likely Jesus was scourged and he was put on trial in the middle of the night. And then he was sent from Caiaphas' house to the Romans. And it's in this courtyard that Peter most likely betrayed Jesus three times, probably within eyeshot or earshot of Jesus. And so Jesus is brought before the council. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. And Jesus was led before this high council. And they said, tell us if you're the Messiah. And he replied, I tell you, but you won't believe me. If I ask you a question, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. And they all shouted, So you're claiming to be the Son of God? And he replied, You say that I am. And why do we need more other witnesses? They said, We ourselves have heard him say it. Jesus admitted who he was. He was, a, he was fulfilling prophecy. It's the time of the end, a time of testing. We're all going to go through times of testing. How many of you feel like the 2020 was quite a time of testing? How many of you feel like maybe you're still in a time of testing? Right? Guess what? You can pass the test. You can pass the test. Hold on to Jesus. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. Acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. That brings me to chapter 23. And this is number three as we... Approach this on Palm Sunday. Number three is a time of crucifixion. This is when everything culminates. This is what we could call the fulcrum of history. The hinge of human history is that cross. It's how we divide time in culture from A.D. to B.C., B.C. to A.D. With the time before Christ and the time after Christ. This moment in history. Jesus stands in trial before Pilate and Pilate doesn't really want to take responsibility for it. This is like a religious matter. Tell you what, we have a tradition around Passover. There's this guy named Barabbas. How about we let, we let Jesus go and we crucify him instead, okay? Okay, everybody, by, by a show of hands, by a cheering. Who wants Barabbas? Who wants Jesus? We'll pick one because I feel bad about this crucifying this rabbi. He seems like a really nice guy. And they're like, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. It's like, that didn't go the way Pilate wanted it to go and so they say crucify him verse 21 they kept shouting crucify him crucify him for the third time he demanded why what crime has he committed i have found no reason to sentence him to death so i will have him flogged and i will release him but the mob shouted louder and louder demanding that jesus be crucified and their voices prevailed so pilate sentenced jesus to die as they demanded and, they, and as they requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, but he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. In verse 26, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simeon, who was from Cyrene, um, which is from North Africa, he happened to be coming in from the countryside, and the soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And a large crowd trailed behind them, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. 
For the days are coming when they will all say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless and the wombs who have not, who have not uh, born a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, Fall on us and plead with the hills, Bury us. For if these things had been done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And the crowd watched. The leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. If he's really God's Messiah, the, the chosen one, the soldiers mocked him too. By offering him a drink of sour wine, they called out to him, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. The sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know what I love about the thief on the cross? Never went to a church membership class. Never got baptized. <laughs> never, never got to study the scriptures. <laughs> all he said was, Jesus, I believe in you. That's all. He didn't have a chance even to like perfectly repent of all of his sins and make a list of all the people that he'd harmed and he did have a perfect... No, he just said, Jesus, I believe in you. That's all he did. And Jesus said, you're in. <laughs> You're in. I'll see you in heaven. You know, think we Christians want to we want to complicate the matter and go, well, before you're really a Christian, before we're really in the club, no, when you do, oh, well, you better do this, you better do that. No, no, no. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. If anyone would come to God, he must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who. Seek him, right? It's not about taking a class. It's not about getting dunked in the tank. It's not about doing all the religious things that we do. Even communion, as wonderful as all those religious activities are, I, would, I hate to say they are spiritual activities, but they're not what saves us. It's a simple childlike trust in Jesus that saves us. I love that. And we come to his death in verse 44. This time was about noon. And darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock and the light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle and Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And then Jesus was buried by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. He was a teacher of the law who had converted and believed that Christ was not just the rabbi, but he was the very Messiah of God. That brings me to chapter 24, and we'll land the plane as we finish the book of Luke. Number four, a time for resurrection. A time for resurrection. A time of testing, right? 
We all have it, right? At the time of the end, what was his last one? The time of crucifixion. Number four, time of resurrection. You know, you can't have a resurrection without a death. <laughs> something has to die if something's gonna be rebirthed. You know, this springtime is one of my favorite times of year where you put maybe some something old and rotten in the ground like a, an old apple <laughs> or some cucumber seeds that were left over from a salad last year or maybe some you know, asparagus or whatever you're putting in the ground and it's dead, it doesn't look like anything, you cover it with dirt and all of a sudden there's seeds in there and it, that thing dies and then it comes back to life. That's why I think we celebrate Easter in the springtime because it's a symbol of the new life that we have in Christ. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And, and so the men asked, why are, you looking for, uh, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and then he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. And so the men, when they heard the story, they thought it sounded like nonsense to them. Of course, you just, it's too wonderful to believe. And that's how a lot of people look at Jesus in Christianity today. That's a great story. I wish it were true. It is true. <laughs> it is true. And two disciples were so lost in their faith, they're like, oh, let's get out of town. Let's leave. So let's, let's go to Emmaus. This, this, is, this is depressing to be here. They start walking away from Jerusalem, about a seven-mile north journey to a little village called Emmaus. And, and this is a great story. As they're talking on the road, suddenly a stranger appears to them. And it was Jesus himself. But he had hidden his identity. Maybe he had his hood over his, his face. Or maybe he had, a, maybe he had a, a face covering. Who knows? We're not sure why they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. But he asked them, what are you guys discussing? What, what, what are you men intently discussing as you walk along? And they stopped him. And sadness written across their faces. One of them said, whose name was Cleopas, he replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did many wonderful, powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. But this all happened three days ago. And some of the women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing. They had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. But some of the men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And then Jesus said to them, You foolish people! <laughs> you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? 
And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from them all, all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of the journey, and Jesus acted as if he were going to keep walking on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread. I wonder if he didn't break it just the same way he did at the communion table. And he broke it, and he gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Jesus, then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked to them on the road and as he explained the scriptures to us? Yeah. Doesn't something burn in your heart when you start hearing these stories of resurrection and Jesus and a time of testing and who we're all going through a test and who God's not done with you? He's, he's got a plan. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm gonna have, may have some hard things in front of me, but he's gonna give me the strength I need. He's gonna give me the, the words to say. Amen. So Jesus appears to his disciples and there's, you can read and study that for yourself. And we come to the point of the ascension in verse 50. Jesus led them to Bethany, lifting up his hands to heaven. He blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. What time was it? Fifth and final point. It was time to go. Time to go. There was work for Jesus to do, interceding for us. There was work for the disciples to do, to go out there and preach the good news of the kingdom. Healing the sick, raising the dead, setting the captives free, doing all the things that we followers of Jesus have been trying to do for the last 2,000 years and what we hope to do on Easter Sunday. I hope that we see this room filled with people who don't know the first thing about the gospel. I think he's going to send us people both in person and online, people who need to hear about the love of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Johnny, will you get ready to just play a little bit here as we finish? Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe as you've heard this message today, you're thinking, whew, what you, what you said about Jesus, that really hits home, but I don't, I don't understand. God doesn't ask you to fully understand everything. He just says simply, just believe. The thief on the cross probably did not go to Hebrew school. Or if he did, he probably flunked out, right? Because he... Wouldn't have been a criminal worthy of execution if he had paid attention to Hebrew school, probably. Right? Come on, somebody. Right? And, and so he didn't have a lot of great head knowledge about the law and about Messiah and about Jesus, but he knew he was a holy man. It's like, and if you are who they say you are, you probably have a way of getting me to heaven <laughs> if I'll just believe in you. And Jesus said, that's it. Just believe. See, God doesn't say you have to understand everything before you can believe in him. He just says, only believe. Just believe. If we'll just come to him simply, say, God, I'm sorry for how I've messed up things. I want you to forgive me. I want you in my life. I want you to call the shots from now on. He'll come in. See, because we're made in the image of God. We're made as children of God. God created us to be with him. Our sins, they separate us from God. And sins can't be paid for by doing religious activity. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus, he died. 
What we'll celebrate next Sunday is his resurrection. He came back to life. And so that everyone, anyone who will say yes to Jesus can have eternal life. And it starts the moment you say yes. And it'll last for all eternity. Right? So if you need to pray that prayer, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in the room and it's been a while or you never have invited him in. Would you just pray this prayer after me out loud? Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to say thanks to the online audience. A couple things with the family here and we'll go. Thank you so much so for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.